0: You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello everybody, Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast, brought to you by Bill Barr. On today's show, we discuss the Nationals' three-game sweep over the Miami Marlins that took place this weekend. I went to Saturday's game, so I'll discuss kind of my uh, my game experience as well as the Nationals games themselves. And look, hey friends, the Nats are in first place. So there's a whole lot to get to on today's show. Like I said in the intro, a few things. The Nationals get a three game sweep over the Miami Marlins. In addition to that, they are now in first place in the division. And no matter what happens between the Phillies, And the Mets tonight, it will remain that way. They'll have at least a share of the division lead at 12-12 and right now. So I know it's not great, but uh, it is still first place in the division. And, uh, you know, before we get into the games, I just think you have to say this. For where we thought they would be, with everything going on, you know, you add in... I mean, for them to be in first place is a big deal. For them to be in first place and having a COVID pause and then having, you know, no John Lester start the season having Juan Soto go down to start the season or in the beginning of the season ish, um, you know, to not have Steven Strasburg, right. For those things to happen and for them to be throwing Joe Ross and Eric Fetty, and for them having to be using guys like Yadiel Hernandez. Um, and, you know, even for them having Schwarber and, and Bell struggle as much as they have for them to be 500 is a major accomplishment. And it's a testament to what Dave Martinez has been doing, uh, managing this team, leading this group and, I think it also speaks to the veteran leadership on the team. The fact that this is the older bunch uh, on the whole, I, I mean, it just shows you that these guys, you know, they know how to handle situations such as this. They know how to handle adversity, you know, in all of its forms. They faced it this season. And so I think they deserve a lot of credit for those things. And the fact that they're 12 and 12 right now, once again, bad division uh, so far this season, but for them to be in first place is is pretty impressive. Um you know, taking care of business against a bad team is, is, is what you have to do. And the Marlins right now, without, you know, uh, some of their key players at this point in time, are bad. they're bad. I mean, it's just, you know, there's no other way to put it. Uh, they're not an average team. If they tried out the lineups, they tried it out this weekend. They tried out Paul Campbell every fifth day. That's not going to be a very good team, no matter how good the starting pitching can be. you got to have some guys, you got to have some bats to back it up. I mean, you know, the wasted Apollo Espino, really solid outing. Uh, Trevor Rogers and the, the pen are pretty good today as well. I know the bullpen day didn't go quite the way they wanted it to, but, uh, you know, they just right now are not that good of a ball club with all the injuries. And we heard arm talk about all the guys that they're missing, uh, you know, on the show last week. So you guys can go check that out. If you guys just need any reference about who it is, uh, is gone and really what they've been going through this far this, this year for the Marlins, but the nationals solid opportunity. And we talked about it heading into this. They should get a sweep and they did. Uh, we discussed the Friday night game on the pod last week, so you guys can go check that out if you would like to. Um, but we'll go talk about Saturday's game now, we'll talk about Sunday's game, and then I'll discuss my experience on Saturday. So here we go. Saturday's game, uh, Nationals and Marlins, and the pitching matchup, like I mentioned, it was Paul Campbell going up against uh, Patrick Corbin, who faced some some issues early on. Uh, like I mentioned, the Nationals won this game 7-2, to Let's start with Corbin. Corbin, seven innings, four hits, two earned runs, four walks, four Ks, and had a really strong outing, uh, 93 pitches. There was no real concerns about him going deep into this game as he was going along. I thought he did a very good job. Um, and the Nationals you know, were able to back him up some. And so you know there was a Jesus Aguilar home run, that he just belted 400 feet. And then uh, Yandy Diaz had a sack fly in the seventh inning. But at that time, it was 7 nothing. Uh, And then 7-1 when the runs were scored, you know, to make it 7-1 and 7-2. So the Nationals offense did a good job backing him up, but he was really in control of this the entire way. And the Nationals, um, for the most part, did a really good job of, you know, I mean, their bullpen, they they protected them this weekend. The bullpen only had to throw, um, what was it, six innings, seven innings? Uh, This weekend they threw, obviously, Leicester goes five on Friday night. They have to throw six through ten, so there's five there. and Then they have to throw two innings. Um, yesterday on Saturday, and they got the job done. Finnegan and Voth both had pretty clean innings, no hits allowed. Um, Finnegan had 1K and a walk as well. And then Austin Voth, uh, 3Ks and one walk. And I want to mention this also for Austin Voth, 1.86 ERA. I know he has not been in many high leverage situations so far this year, but I did say, uh, not to say 2 but I did say, Hey, how 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 good of a change, you know what could a change of scenery do for a guy like this? And now he's worked nine and two thirds innings. Um he's got a one point eight six era at this point, and you know he's um he's got thirteen strikeouts in those nine and two thirds innings. Not once again, not a ton of high leverage spots, but Austin is steadily improving right now and this is a good spot for him. He's getting some confidence and they're able to use him in a way that's going to help the team as opposed to forcing him out there every fifth day in a spot that was not comfortable to him last year. Obviously, they had to do that. They had to because of circumstances last year with how banged up a team was, um, and, and, you know, last year, all last year's circumstances, really. But he he was forced to be part of that rotation. Now he's come along. Uh, Kyle Finnegan, you know, has started to show some better flashes. It's great that Patrick Corbin is starting to pitch well in addition. And, you know, you think about this game, you, you mix that pitching with timely hitting over the first two days, and what do you get? Wins. And you can even say the same thing for the third game today. But on Saturday, Trey Turner goes two for five. Uh, Josh Harrison goes three for five. And Yadiel Hernandez, once again, one for three with a walk. He's been excellent so far this year. Um, Kyle Schwarber got on base, right? Josh Bell was the big story. Though. Josh Bell drove in four runs, and he drove him in, I believe, from actually each side of the plate. He drove in three runs, or excuse me, one run in the bottom of the 1st, and then in the uh in the bottom of the 4th inning after a Jan Gomes two-run home run, Josh Bell doubled the deep center, scoring Schwarber, Turner, and Hernandez, and once again, embarrassed mentioning that was from the right side of the plate, right? We talked about how often they want to use Ryan Zimmerman in games where a uh, you know, where they're seeing left-handed pitching, but obviously because it was a bullpen game for the Marlins. You never know when that lefty might come in. You know, Bell comes up to the plate and does a great job of hitting, uh, of of roping that one down the right side, scoring those runs. And, look, he put that game away from the Nats. You know, it it felt like at that point there was really no chance of coming back, and it gave uh, Patrick Corbin a nice, solid foundation, a nice, solid lead to work with as he worked later on into this game. Jan Gomes, as I mentioned, two for four. Stevenson. When one for four, so and Castro got a hit. So the offense really did show up. Twelve hits across the board in this game, and three for twelve with runners score with running scoring position is not great, but it was enough to get the job done in this game. And they did strand uh, as many pitch, uh, as many players as they could from the Marlins. So they did a good job uh, pitching. You know they were putting got put anybody on base, which all three guys did. They did a good job of working out those situations. Excuse me. Uh, also. Ross Detweiler, uh, he pitched this weekend too, which was funny to see, former National back at Nationals Park. All right, Sunday's game. Let's get to it right now, and we'll discuss what happened then. Uh, 3-1 win, and this one's all about Max Scherzer, who was just dominant today. Uh, Save a home run that he gave up to Isan Diaz in the ninth inning. Max was just absolutely sterling on the game today. His first complete game since the year 2018. Max goes nine innings. Nine Ks, five hits, one unru- uh, one run earned, one allowed, obviously as well, and helps out the bullpen. He gets to two and two on the year, and the Nationals did a good. The Nationals did a good job of getting to Trevor Rogers. I saw Trevor Rogers pitch earlier this year uh, against Jacob Degrom. He not in person, but watched that game earlier this year. He was spectacular. He's only twenty three years old this year, even with the struggles he had today. He's 3-2 and with a 1.91 ERA. The kid is absolutely dynamite. He's got great stuff. It looks like the velocity on his fastball, you know, it goes in there at 95, 96. Uh, It runs up to 97, too. Looks like it's coming in there a lot faster. Looks like it's coming out in there around 98, 99. And uh, he's really good, especially those arm slots he's got. The lefty man, he's going to be a great pitcher. He already is really good right now, but he's going to be a great pitcher for years to come. But the one thing the Nationals do right now better than anybody else they hit lefties. They are the best team, I believe, still in terms of batting average against left-handed pitching, and they were able to take advantage of that today. You thought maybe, hey, this could be a game where one home run decides it, and it was. Uh, and you know, luckily for the Nationals, it wasn't a home run given up by Max Scherzer. But something to mention about this game too, in, from the hitting perspective, every single position, uh, and I not pitcher, and I mean the, the actual positions that you know we put real fielding players at who can actually hit. Um, Every position but right field got a hit today. Uh, you know, one it for Robles, who's one for three, and a walk as well. Victor Robles, uh, as Mitch mentioned, he was one for three. Josh Harrison, one for two with the walk. Trey Turner was one for three with a walk. Ryan Zerman, one for four, but had a three-run blast in this game that was the difference for the Nationals. Castro, one for, th- uh, one for four. Gomes, two for four. Um, and, uh, Jordy Mercer was one for three as well in this game. And the Nationals just have these guys. Everybody's picking up the, the slack right now. Uh, no Schwarber. was his first off day, I believe, since coming back. No Josh Bell, obviously, because they're going up against the lefty. And they took care of enough business on offense just to give Max Scherzer enough today to get it done. And um, that Zerman home run, man, he just crushed I think it was a fastball and just hit it to dead center. He continues to kill lefties at a, a huge hit for Mr. National and one that they needed because not a ton of other offense today have to give the Marlins bullpen some credit. They came in there uh, between Pop, Curtis, and uh, Simber—I believe is how, is how it's pronounced—Kimber or Simber. I forget what they said. It was in the broadcast. Um, they were able to get the job done, right? They were able to take care of business and uh, you, know, you know hold it up on their end and give the Marlins a chance to come back. But because Max was so good, they didn't get a chance to. And even late in the game, when Max gives up the home run in the ninth inning, you know you think, okay, maybe this is this a little dicey here? Uh, no, he, he goes up, you know, goes down 3-0 on John Birdie, but then is able to rein it in and he's able to, you know, get, get things back in check and finish the game. Uh, and your bullpen's going to be super rested now, right, as, as you move forward. But Nationals get to 12-12. and 12. As I mentioned, the Marlins are a wounded animal right now. That's great. They took care of business against them. That's four in a row for the Nationals. And since that Dodgers series, they're 11-7. That Dodgers series... You know, it was tough because they just come off the doubleheader. They had to travel out west to face a Dodgers team that started off so well this year. And for them to have to go play them, um, you know, with a lot of guys missing and flying Patrick Corbin out there and just putting him on the mound, right, it was just challenging. They got two really good, um, you know, really good outings from Joe Ross and from Max Scherzer in those games. Still were not able to get the job done. So, with that in mind, you know with, with those with those performances in mind, it wasn't like they were the worst in the world. The Corbin game they got blown out, but um, you know they're a different team from when they were then, and they've proved that. Uh, they're five hundred on the road since then. Uh, they're four and seven on the road overall, but but since then they're four and four on the road. They're eight and four at home, and since dropping two of the first three um, to the Braves, they've been six and three. So they really have just been strong at home, and then been treading water. water on the road, rather, and that's why right now you're seeing them at 12 and 12. And once again, like with everything going on, you have to marvel at the fact this team is 500. You really have to think, hey, this group has done a, an awesome job of getting to where they are now. They'll turn their attention now to the Braves, who are currently losing to Toronto, and that's a series that we'll talk about. Let's take a break first and tell you guys about my uh, experience at the ballpark, and then we'll kind of wrap up with some thoughts about the series against the Braves moving forward. But first. A word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Blue Nile and their new 1010 collection, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at a fair price. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy to her life. Using diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters of each uniquely placed their stamp on these beautiful rings. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 If you are on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring that she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10x10 10 10 only at Blue Nile. Com. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. If you guys uh, bet on the draft this weekend through betonline.ag, it was a lot of fun. They always have fun odds for stuff like the NFL Draft. They've got odds right now for NHL, MLB, NBA, uh, You know UFC, Bellator, PFL, all that stuff, boxing, anything you could want, they've got there at betonline.ag. So go there today. Use the promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N locked on. And you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. So if you deposit 100 dollars they give you an extra $50 to play with today at betonline.ag. Once again, betonline, promo code locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N locked on. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so I want to quickly discuss my experience at the ballpark for any of you who have not gone yet this season. It's it's fun. I recommend doing it. Um, it was Daniel Hudson Bottlehead Day. So if you go to the ballpark, attendance uh, for when I went was about 8,000. So on Saturday's game, about 8,000-plus fans, I believe it was. They have the seats that you're not sitting in next to you and around you roped off. Um, so, you know, going to the gates is pretty normal. i kind of start with that. Going to the gates is normal. Checking your stuff in is normal, you know, with sliding your uh, phone and keys and wallet, whatever, right by. Um, parking's the same as well. Uh, it's weird because they want contactless food. So the food stands there, use an app uh, or a QR code. So you go scan the QR code and you open it up and you're able to order through there. I think you need the MLB Ballpark app as well. So download that if you're going to the games. But that's not a plug. I'm just saying I think you have to have it to order beer and food uh, or any other kind of drink and food. So they had that, but it, it was odd because... They still had people walking around, uh, selling beer, and selling drinks and cotton candies and lemonades. So you know that was contact. I don't really know why they have contactless. If they're still gonna have that going on too, and such, everybody is masked. I know it's hand, to, you know, hand to hand contacts and stuff, and people are worried about that. But um, you know, I'm somebody that this past summer I worked at a drive, uh, you know, a driving range. And I worked in the window a lot. So I was handing people ice cream and golf clubs and golf balls and credit cards and stuff. And, uh, you know, this was pre-vaccination it was last summer. So never had any problems, uh, never even, you know, really never came close to having any issues when it came to COVID, um, you know, and it was uh, hand sanitizer, all kind of stuff. I still feel like there's a way to safely do that, um, you know, one of the time in lines. Maybe they think it speeds up the process. I'm not sure, but if the stadium Wi-Fi is not working, which it sometimes doesn't, and the LTE in a more crowded venue can be difficult to use as well, you're sometimes it's more difficult. So you'd stand there maybe for five or ten minutes, sometimes trying to work the QR code, and then you know if you wanted a beer or two, and then all of a sudden somebody would walk by you, and you're like, okay, this is much easier. I'm just going to go buy from the vendor uh, right there. So that that's one of the weird parts. But you know your seats, yeah, you are spread out. It still feels like a ball game. Um, you know, you can still shop. I think the store itself is closed, but the outdoor version of the national store is open. I believe that's how it works um, right now. And trying to think about what else, you know, it's still a great ball game, uh, ball game ex- experience. You know, you can still go and get a hot dog. Um, hopefully, they will increase capacity. My thought was when I was there that they could definitely increase capacity i um, not saying they should do you know, 100% like the Braves are doing, but I think they could easily fit 10 to 15,000 people in there, and you'd still be okay. Uh, the official capacity, um, let's see, of Nationals Park. I want to make sure I get I, I know, generally speaking, what it is. But I want to make sure I get the number correct. So it's 43,313. The Braves are about to go full capacity. I'm not, you know, whether you're cool with that or not, uh, it's up to you. But – I think 50% is achievable, um, and it, especially if you just pattern the seats, right? Um, and they're marking off a lot of the seats, and they don't need to. I mean, what you can do is, you know, you can put somebody in a row and just space them out you know, every other row and give them two seats between the next person, and then, you know, put three seats, and then two seats between the next person and do it, and then skip one row down. So if it was rows A, B, and C, in row A, you can do you know, three people, four people, four people, and there's 10 people, you know, 11 people there and go one row up on row C can do the same exact thing. So I feel like they could expand capacity. Once again, I'm not sure what the the, the plans are in the immediate future, but, um, you know, I think maybe once they come back from that long road stand, they've got coming up here in the next couple of weeks, uh, that could be a time where capacity goes to maybe 30, 45% right now at 8,000. It's still a bit under twenty five percent. I think they're at twenty five percent right now. Actually, I think that's what capacity is. Uh, I'm not one hundred and ten percent sure, but that's around what I think it is. So they play the Braves at home for three, and then they play New York, uh, the the Yankees for three on the road. Then they play the Phillies at home for three games. That's May thirteenth. They go on the road the fourteenth, the the fourteenth through the twentieth. They're on the road. They come back twenty first against Baltimore. Maybe that could be a time that you do it. Um, you know, I think they're well-equipped, to. Like, it, it did feel like they could have had more people there yesterday, and it would not have been a problem. Uh, I really do believe that. And the stadium's big enough. I'm in a 47,000-person stadium on a Saturday afternoon outdoors right now, and I think a lot of people, you know, are, are vaccinated. Uh, I went with four people, and everybody in our group was vaccinated, um, and, I, and everybody we talked to at the game was a lot of people. You know, I heard one person who wasn't I think I talked to, and I talked to about 10 to 15, 20 people while we were there, just, you know, through various things, whether it be at the bullpen outside um, or at the game itself. Tell you what, the bullpen is still open and uh, they really don't have, you know, their tables are a little bit spaced out. But for the most part, you know, once you sit down at the table, you can remove your mask. You can talk to each other. You know, it's, it's, it's fine. They really don't care that much. So I, I thought it was a pretty good experience. I think it could be made better with the, Q, you know, the QR code stuff. I don't really get it. You're still going to have vendors anyway. Uh, may, maybe you're avoiding some contact, a lot of contact, actually, but um, still contact is really only bad if you're not following directives such as wearing a mask and, you know, face, close close contact, um, stuff like that. And also, too, with the way it's spaced out right now, and even if you spaced out with more people, you could still take your mask off in your seats when, you know, when you're drinking and whatnot. As long as you're not coughing on other people, um, you know, and you're just, you know, you're respectful, you should be fine. You feel like you've got plenty of personal space to yourself. Um so, yeah, it's kind of what the experience at the ballpark was like, you know, just from my perspective. If anybody has any questions, once again, always hit me up on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. Um, all right, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, I will discuss the upcoming Brave series and kind of what to look for right now as the Nationals, uh, you know, are first place in the division. Uh, but first, a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Bilt Bar. We told you guys about how great Bilt Bar is. We love them over there. They've got 18 flavors, six new awesome flavors Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Bar, Chia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. Those go along with their 12 original flavors. All of them are covered in chocolate. It's good. It's good for you uh, in moderation, obviously. Um, And also, you can get a free cooler while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use that promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15. And you guys will get 15% off on your next purchase. All right, so the Nationals now, three-game series with the Braves. It was announced that they're going to go with Ross, um, Ross, Fetty, and Lester as their three lining up right now. And I believe Max Freed's going to return. So right now it sets up, according to ESPN, once again, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, it sets up as Ross versus Enoa, Fetty versus Freed coming off of DL, and then Lester versus Smiley. So a couple things to note. The Braves are losing right now as we speak. It is... Uh, let's see, I think actually the game, the game probably went final. It did go final. The Braves lost to Toronto today 7-2. To right now the Braves are sitting well behind the Nationals, not well behind, but behind the Nationals at 12-16, and 16, and they are 5-9 and nine on the road. They did take two or three of the Nationals throughout the year, but that was uh, when the Nationals were missing a fair amount of players, so you know, take it with a grain of salt uh, in that situation. But the Braves come to D.C., and I think they're dangerous because they're a wounded animal. They really do need to turn things around right now. They've got time, and they're only actually two games out, um, technically speaking right now, in the standings. But for them, they need to get things going in the right direction because they don't want to find themselves in a hole. They're more than capable of climbing themselves out of a hole, but they just they don't want to dig any deeper and kind of find themselves further back. Their pitching has got to be better. they got to get more from their starting pitching moving forward. They, they want to continue to be the Braves team. That we are accustomed to seeing, uh, and and right now they just have not been nowhere close to it. So, looking at at that, you know the Braves coming in day off for both teams, and we'll see. But the Nationals should feel pretty confident with those three guys in the mound. It's weird to say with Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, and John Lester, but the way they all pitched before, you know, I think two or three is obviously the goal here, as it al- is always. But two or three puts you with another game ahead of the Braves in the standings. You can get that done. Uh, it'll give you another game up on them right now. And really they are the team that I'm most concerned about still. Uh, the Mets have not found themselves yet. And we even you know if they do, not 100% sure what that looks like. The Phillies, you know, they've played some. Uh, they've been up and down. Both those teams have and the Nats have too. But the Braves are still the lurking giant in this division. And I, I think the Nationals need to be cognizant of that and, and also cognizant of the opportunity that is in front of them Uh, You know, with just just really being put ahead of them right now with this series against the Braves, and especially because they're playing good ball right now. Two more days. You think Juan Soto probably comes back in the lineup. Sounds like Juan Suero is throwing from 120 feet. It sounds like Steven Strasburg is not 110% 110 happy with what his stuff's like yet. Uh, Dave Martinez likes the way it's going, so he might be closer to a return. Not going to see him against the Braves. Maybe not against the Yankees either. We don't know yet. But... At this point, that's going along well. Wander Suero's in the up-and-up. Um, you know, he's able to throw long toss, so he's coming along. And hopefully you can get those guys back in the lineup and ready to roll and we can finally see what this Nationals team looks like at full strength. We still don't know. We still have no idea with all of these guys back and playing together well, we don't know what that looks like. And they're starting to achieve it with what they have currently, with what you got to do. But this team is only going to go as far as they can when they're at full strength. They don't have the horses to make up for each other constantly all the time, especially against the elite competition in the National League. So hopefully they can get those guys healthy. They can keep it rolling right now against the Braves team. It's wounded and uh, it needs a turnaround, so they're going to be dangerous in that series. But that should set up for some compelling theater. One team, the Nationals, on the up-and-up, won four straight games, just coming off a sweep at the top of the division, going up against a team in the Braves that is towards the bottom part right now, not too far away, has potential but has not played well and needs to get themselves going in the right direction. Should be great theater, as I just said. All right, that will do it for today's show. There will be a locker room live tomorrow. I'll probably do it around 1 or 2 in the afternoon, so you can join me uh, then for the locker room. Uh, once again, download the Locker Room app and uh, follow me on there at Josh Neighbors, I believe is whatever it is. You can you can search my name and you'll find me. Get notifications when I go live. It's a great app. Uh, so one or two tomorrow, we'll be going live. Probably some trivia and some Nats talk on there. Always a fun time. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And until next time, my friends, please stay safe.